Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you to all our worship teams. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for watching online. For those of you at our Dalton campus and our Rossville campus, thank you for being there as well. We're, no matter where you are, we're glad you're part of our service today. Hey, Ephesians chapter four, if you have your Bibles. Of course, we're starting our 21 days of prayer and it's all about attitudes. And I wanna talk for the next few weeks on this subject, attitudes matter. As a matter of fact, over the next uh, few weeks, I'm gonna talk today about a bad attitude next week, about a good attitude third week, how to repair your attitude. And so um, we're going to live in attitude for this three weeks that we're doing these 21 days of prayer. So Ephesians chapter four, if you have your Bibles, if you don't, it'll be on the screen. By the way, um, it would behoove me to let you know important things that happened in my life. And this week, guess what? I got a new grandchild this week, my first grand girl. And I know some of you had grandchildren too, but since mine are the best on the planet, I need to show mine up here. My first grandgirl, Lily Joy Dunn, was born this week, and mom and baby are doing fine, and man, we are in love already. That's four, Peavine. Y'all have known me when I had no grandkids whatsoever, and now they're coming at a breakneck pace at us. Uh, four, well, well, this, this year we'll have one, four, three, two, and newborn, so... Um, but first girl. All right, let's talk about a bad attitude today. Chuck Swindoll said this quote that I've always loved. He said, the longer I live, the more convinced I become that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. How we respond to it is our attitude. Now, it's hard to define attitude, right? I can throw up a list of words that are attitude words, and that helps define it a little more. For, for example, somebody can have an aggressive attitude, an affectionate attitude, a calm, a cynical, a distant, a forgiving, a positive, a joyful, a grateful, a patient attitude, a selfish attitude, a thoughtful attitude. Like words help us describe attitudes as much as a definition does, but I, I think we need the definition and I'm going to show you this every week during the, not these words, but I'm going to show you these next few things in every sermon I preach because I'm really trying to drill this down into our minds. How do you define an attitude? Webster says an attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically one that is reflected in personal behavior. So we learn that an attitude is how you think, how you feel, that eventually comes out in your behavior. So I want to give you this little formula that has to do with your attitude. First of all, your attitude is how you think. Your attitude primarily is what's going on in your mind. And when you've got these things going on in your mind, it's not just how you're thinking, but also you say, well, preacher, I can tell when somebody has a bad attitude, right? The reason you can tell is because your attitude is how you think, which determines how you feel. And once you start feeling some way, that affects how you behave. So is attitude important? Sure it is. Your attitude is how you think, which determines how you feel, which affects how you behave. Now, I'll show you this later on in a message uh, in the future. But get this. 
which how you behave determines how you think. So in my own personal notes, I have a little infinity sign out beside this because here's what happens. Your attitude's how you think. How you think determines how you feel. How you feel determines how you behave. How you behave determines how you think. And so when you've got a bad attitude or when you've got a bad thought life, it affects your behavior, but then your behavior reinforces your thought life. And so your attitude, if you don't deal with it, gets worse and worse and worse. Why? It's how you think, which determines how you feel, which determines how you behave, which determines how you think. And it's just this cycle that goes on and on and on again. How do I deal with the bad attitude? I'm going to change my behavior, I've got to change my thinking first. And by the way, you are in control of your attitude. Nobody controls it for you. Nobody can push your buttons. There are only your buttons to push and you control your attitude. And probably every one of us in here need an attitude adjustment, which in turn is going to give us a life adjustment because listen, your attitude will determine how you succeed in life, how you succeed in your work. And not only that, it'll determine how you succeed even in your family. I love this, a study uh, uh, attributed to Harvard. University found that when a person gets a job or promotion, get this, 85% of the time, it's because of their attitude. Only 15% of the time because of his, his or her intelligence and knowledge of specific facts or figures. You say, I'm getting promoted and not promoted based on my attitude. Of course you are. Why? Because we want to work with people we like. And in general, a bad attitude does not make you likable. And so if this is true in work, it's true in every other area of life. Now, some of you are listening to me and you're saying, well, hey, this is just a bunch of self-help stuff. God doesn't care about my attitude. Well, actually, you would be wrong. Because God cares about your behavior, which is determined by how you feel, which is determined by how you think, which is determined by how you behave. And so God wants every one of us to deal with a bad attitude. As a matter of fact, look in your Bible in Ephesians chapter 4. Now just be seated for a moment. We're going to stand and read in just a moment. But look in Ephesians chapter 4. Look, look at verse 23. In the CSB, which I read, it says to be renewed in the spirit of of your minds. Now that's the hinge verse of chapter four. Chapter four is such a beautiful chapter in the Bible. There's so much in it that helps us with daily Christian living, but renewed in the spirit of your mind. But let me show you how the NIV translates it to be renewed in the attitude of your minds. So in the midst of all of this, um, uh, instruction on how we are to behave, the hinge verse has to do with our attitude, that our attitude is eventually determining our behavior. How we think is eventually determining our behavior. So let's look at what Paul says about having a bad attitude. Would you stand with me in honor of reading God's word? Ephesians chapter four, look with me, if you will, beginning in verse 17. Ephesians chapter four, and it's on the screen if you don't have your Bible handy. Ephesians four, verse 17. Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. 
They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. Thank you. You may be seated. So what you find out in this Ephesians chapter four is that there is a contrast between two ways of life, between two different attitudes, between attitudes that can make a difference in your family. Well, will an attitude make a difference in my life? Will improving my attitude make me better in life? Well, here's what research tells us that a study by the American Psychology Association found that individuals with a negative attitude are more likely to engage in verbal and physical aggression within their relationships, leading to poor relationship satisfaction and increased risk of divorce. So a bad attitude leads to aggressive behavior, which then increases a a, a poor relationship satisfaction and also increases divorce. Does a bad attitude matter? Yes, a bad attitude matters. Here's what we found out. Studied by the University of Warwick found that individuals with a negative attitude are more likely to be viewed as less competent by their colleagues, leading to a lack of trust and cooperation in the workplace. So here's what we find out. A bad attitude will hurt you in your family. A bad attitude will hurt you on your job. Hear me this morning. A bad attitude will hurt you in life. So how, what is a bad attitude? What does a bad attitude look like? Well, Paul walks us through at least five things, probably more, but at least five things that will give you a bad attitude. Can I show those to you this morning? Number one is this. What will give me a bad attitude. Number one, empty thoughts. Empty thoughts. We immediately start with our thinking process that gives us a bad attitude. The word there is futility of their thoughts. What does he mean? He means vain thoughts, deceptive thoughts, pointless thoughts, empty thoughts, earthly thoughts. It is thinking without any purpose. It is a thought life that is tied to here and now. Did you catch that? A thought life that is tied to here and now. One reason we develop a bad attitude is that your thoughts are tied to this minute. Your thoughts are tied to this moment. Your thoughts are tied to this world only. So when you get a bad attitude, part of the problem is this empty thinking that goes on in our minds that when we get in the heat of the moment, you have no concern for how your words or how your attitude is going to affect others because I'm tied to the here and now. And I can say it this way, perhaps a bad attitude means this, you become more concerned about the moment than the marriage. When you have a bad attitude, it is the result of empty thoughts. And if we just put it in the marriage context, it means you become more concerned about the moment than you are the marriage. Meaning, I want to win this moment more than I want to win this marriage. I want to win this moment more than I want to 
care for my family. I want to win this moment more than I want to be successful at my job. I want to win this moment more than I want to be successful in life whatsoever. That is what Paul described as futility of thoughts, empty thoughts, thoughts that are only about the here and now. How many of you, I won't ask this, I won't ask you to raise your hand. I won't ask you to raise your hand. But probably every one of us in the room has eaten food off the floor. Right, you drop it. You know what research tells us? That you eat food off the floor four times a month. Four times a month. 44% of Americans believe in what we call the so-called five-second rule. What is the five-second rule? If it's on the floor for five seconds or less, germs cannot attach themselves to your food and it's okay to eat it. 44% of us believe in that. Not only that, 52% agree that there's some places that they would extend the rule to 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Now, that's a long time to be on the floor. Where would you extend it to 10 seconds? Your own house, 65% of the people would uh, let it fall on the floor for 10 seconds, 10 days, whatever. Um, a restaurant? I, the food? If I drop a fork, I'm done. I, got, I have another one. A hospital or medical facility? Because there are no germs there at all, right? 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Now, now here, here's where it starts to get a little dicey. 63% have places they would never consider eating food off the floor. Never. Would never eat food off the floor in these places. 60% of people would never eat food off the floor in a bathroom. 59% of people would never eat food off a public street or sidewalk. And 57% of people would never eat food that fell on the floor uh, in an airport. I have questions. Because you know what concerns me the most about all of this? Is that 40% of the people would eat food off a bathroom floor. What in the world is going through your minds? And I got to tell you, that's got to be all women. It has to be. Because no man who has two brain cells to rub together would ever eat off a men's room floor. And then I have another question. Who takes food in a bathroom? I mean, what, what are you doing? So we know you'd eat off a restaurant floor. Who, who's saying, honey, I'm just going to take the sandwich in the bathroom, knock it out at the urinal. I'll be back in a few minutes. Who does that? Who eats food off a sidewalk in a nasty, in a bathroom? I am telling you, that is, the, that is the epitome of empty thoughts. Because it's only thinking about the here and now. You, 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 listen, 40% of Americans are going to eat food off a bathroom floor. I promise you that you're only thinking about the sandwich on the floor. 
You're not thinking about the disease on the floor, the germs on the floor, the filth on the floor. You're you're not thinking about any of that. You know why? Because you're thinking about one thing, I want my sandwich back. And I dropped it in the bathroom. They're probably not going to give me another one. That's not a real excuse. And so I'm just going to pick it up and eat it. I would go hungry. We'd have to be in the zombie apocalypse before I would eat off a bathroom floor. Then even then I'd be like, one of the grandkids can have it. Man, I, I don't want it. I don't want it. If you're eating off a bathroom floor, you're only thinking about the here and now, this moment. That's what Paul was describing as an empty thought. You're only thinking about the here and now. I want to win this argument. I want to win this fight. I want to be right. I want to speak my mind. I want to win. I want to win. I want to win. Listen to me. You will ruin your marriage. You will ruin your home. You will ruin your family. You will ruin your job. You'll have a bad attitude if all you can think about is now keep the bigger goals in mind. Keep the bigger things in mind. Lose the battle so you can win the war because an empty head, an empty thought says, I don't care about anything but winning right now. And when that happens, you'll have a bad attitude. Second thing that'll give you a bad attitude, Paul said, was a blind mind. A blind mind. What what do you mean? Well, he said, verse 18, darkened in their understanding. Literally, the phrase means a mind that is in the dark. A mind that is spiritually dark. What does that mean? A mind that is ignorant to the word of God. A mind that is ignorant to the ways of God. But the Bible tells us over and over that the word of God is a light under our path. It's light in our life. So if you have a darkened mind, it is a mind that is shut off to the word of God. When we don't know, when we don't know because we're not in our Bibles, when we don't know because we're not reading our Bibles, how a Christian is supposed to act, how a Christian is supposed to think, or we're ignoring how a Christian is supposed to act, that always leads to a bad attitude. Now hear me this morning, because this is more of us than we want to admit. When our ways are more important than God's ways, that's a bad attitude. When your will is more important than God's will, you'll always have a bad attitude. When your opinion, when your thoughts are more important than God's opinion or God's thoughts, Always, always, always you'll have a bad attitude. You know, the word of God will correct a bad attitude. It really will. The more time you spend in God's word, the faster your attitude will get corrected. The more time I spend in this book, the light will shine into my mind and I'll read and understand how a Christian is supposed to act, think, Talk. Why? Because there's this four-word process I'll put up here. Knowledge of the Word of God brings conviction into my life. That's what this book is for. You combine this book with the Holy Spirit of God in your life, and the more you have knowledge about God, the more conviction that comes into your life as the Holy Spirit of God will prune away. John tells us, prune away the things that don't look like Jesus in my life. But when I'm, uh, I get knowledge, then I get conviction. And after conviction, if I do it properly, comes repentance. 
And after repentance comes change. And the reason I have a blind mind is I'm not, I'm not bathing myself in the word of God on a daily basis. And so I don't get that knowledge. I don't get that conviction. I don't get the repentance, which ultimately leads to change. And a blind mind will always give you a bad attitude. Some of you are listening to me today, you know, you know you have a bad attitude and you don't know where to start. I'll tell you where to start. You start in the word of God. You start reading your Bible. You start praying for the Holy Spirit to search your heart and your, tra- your attitude will transform when you turn the light on of the word of God in your mind. You have empty thoughts only about the here and now. A blind mind, contrary to the word of God, all those things always give me a bad attitude. But number three, separated from God. He said in verse 18, excluded from the life of God. It's interesting, that word excluded there means estranged. In the Greek, it was the word used of a husband and wife who were not going to make it in their marriage. So it's a divorced life from God, a separated life from God, an estranged life with God. Hand in hand with the Bible, that dark mind, is when you're not walking with God, you're going to have a bad attitude. See, the farther away from, I get from the Lord, the worse my attitude will get. The farther away I get from the Holy Spirit, the worse my attitude will get. The farther away I get from uh, the things of God, the worse my attitude is going to get. As a matter of fact, the farther away, hear me, the farther away from the things of God to get, the closer to the devil I wind up getting. And my attitude becomes more like him, his, than it does like God's. You know why? You adopt the attitude of whoever you hang out with. We, we do that about accents, right? We do it about accents. You, you ever notice you're around somebody, you know, in the South, you're around somebody uh, from somewhere else, and you'll pick up a few idioms and phrases like they use and you'll say it how they say it or when somebody from the south is down here you do it we, we had a famous example of this in, in the past year Brian Kelly the coach at LSU um, who uh, was speaking to LSU for the first time he's from Boston well, let, let me just let you watch it thank you thank you well this is a great way to get started and I haven't even won all my games yet It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family, and we are so excited to be in the great state of Louisiana, but more importantly, to be with you great fans and to be part of what is going to be an incredible ride here at Louisiana State University. Did you hear it? My family, he's from Boston. He does not know how to talk like a Southerner or like a Cajun. Now, in the beginning, he said it was an accident. Later on, he said it was probably on purpose. It's fine. We love your Boston accent, but here's the deal. He's going to develop a little bit of a Cajun accent because he's hanging out with him. You know what? That's actually a thing. That is called the chameleon effect in psychology, that if you hang out with people, you will start to adopt their mannerisms and speech patterns. You can't help it. 
That's why if you move for somewhere long enough, the accent starts to move towards their accent. The more you hang out, the more it becomes yours. It's the chameleon effect. You know, that's the problem with not walking with the Lord. You quit acting like him. And when you quit walking from the Lord, when you're, when you're divorced from your relationship with God, when you're separating estranged from your relationship with God, you move from him and you move over towards the world and you move over towards the devil. And hear me, that chameleon effect says this, that you're going to start to adopt the attitude of who you're hanging out with. And here's a statement you might want to write down in your Bible. When the daily walk dissipates, the bad attitude accelerates. The more time you spend with the Lord, the more time, the more often your attitude is going to be like his. And if you wind up separated by sin, you wind up separated by coldness, by comfort, by complacency, by busyness. When God is excluded from your life for any reason, your attitude is going to go downhill. One good way to get rid of a bad attitude and get a better attitude is for you to get as close to God as what you can. For you to walk with God on a daily basis because when your daily walk dissipates, the bad attitude accelerates. And some of you can just draw a line. I quit my Bible reading. I quit my prayer. I quit walking with God. I'm not as faithful to church. I get out, and all of a sudden, people are starting to talk about your family, about your attitude. You even feel it within yourself. Your attitude's getting worse, and you're like, I don't know what's going on. i tell you what's going on. When, when, when the daily walk dissipates, the bad attitude accelerates. You are separated from God. And the farther away you get from Him, the more bad attitude you're going to develop. What gives me a bad attitude, number four? Well, number four, that's not the right thing. <laughs> we got to change that. Number four is a hard heart. Write that down. Hard heart. He said, because of the hardness of their hearts, they became callous. The hardness of their hearts, they became callous. Bad attitudes develop when you allow yourself to get a hard heart. Follow me now. And you become impervious feelings. The hardening of the heart and that callousness is the progressive inability of the conscious to convict you of wrongdoing. The progressive inability of your conscious to, to convict you of your wrongdoing. Once as your heart loses its sensitivity, there's no limit to a bad attitude and the damage it can do to those around you. I saw this study about the stress of living through the pandemic. I don't have a photo, just been a photo of a brain. I'm not gonna do that, but that the pandemic physically, the stress of living through a pandemic physically changed teenagers' brains and showed accelerated signs of aging, commonly seen in children experience violence and neglect. Stanford University did a study and they found out you were more likely uh, to report severe anxiety, depression, and internalizing mental health problems as you went through the pandemic. They did MRIs on teenagers' brains taken before the pandemic and after the pandemic. And here's what they discovered. A 16-year-old girl's brain had become the equivalent of a 19 or 20-year-old girl's brain before COVID. 
It produced a, a, an enlarged hippocampus, which deemed the center of memory and learning and uh, emotion. So what happened is you, you aged, they aged in their brains during this time. All of that was the result of stress. Now, why do I tell you that? Someone with a hardened heart going around spewing venom will age the people around them. You'll bring stress into people's lives. You say, how do I not get a hard heart? You don't shut out the Holy Spirit when he's reproving you. Because when you got a hard heart and you're spewing that venom, the Holy Spirit will convict you. But if you keep pushing it down and keep doing it anyway and keep pushing it down and doing it anyway, eventually you'll suppress that, that, the Holy Spirit and you'll, you'll grieve him and your heart gets harder. How do I not harden my heart? Don't miss the looks on the faces of the people you're hurting. You see it on their face. And when you've got a bad attitude, you tend to lean into that instead of be reproved of it. It's a sign of a hard heart. Don't ignore the withering relationships that are going around you. And when you see a lot of relationships around you or multiple relationships around you withering, it's a hard heart on your part. Seek forgiveness from God. Number five, I'm finished. What gives me a bad attitude? He finally says, deceitful desires. Deceitful is the word seducing, enticement, something that gives a false impression or appearance, a false impression or appearance. Desires are my lust, my appetites, my longing. You know what a bad attitude does? It promises you one thing, but delivers something else. Promises you peace, but gives you conflict. Victory, but gives you defeat. Dominance, but delivers prison. A bad attitude never gives you what you want. But a bad attitude will, will uh, run over others to get what they want. A bad attitude will run over others to get what they want. They'll run over somebody else's feelings because of their deceitful desires. They'll run over somebody's uh, opinions. They'll run over somebody's love. They'll run over somebody's kindness. Why? Because your heart has been hardened and you have these deceitful desires that just wants what it wants. And the enemy will promise you, man, joy if you'll just keep going that way. But you never, ever get it. It's always deceitful. Close your Bibles. I'm, I'm finished. If I showed you this photo, you would probably tell me that looks like Hawaii or someplace. It's not. The name of this island is called Disappointment Island. The first name was Unfortunate Island. The Portuguese explorer Ferdinand Magellan was traveling towards the Philippines because he landed here and he was disappointed to find that none of them had visible sources of fresh water, so he called it Unfortunate Islands. But in 1765, a British naval, naval officer, John Bryan, provided an even less positive moniker declaring two of the coral islands in question to be called Disappointment Islands. They're still named that today. Why did he call them Disappointment Islands? Here's why. Because he said the inhabitants had a hostile disposition towards him. The inhabitants, and I quote, had a hostile disposition towards him. So he called it Disappointment Islands. 
Stand with me. Some of you here this morning, you're not in Disappointment Island, but you're in, you're in a disappointment family, a disappointment marriage, a disappointment relationship, job, life. Because of a hostile disposition, it could be yours. It could be yours. You're listening this morning and you might be on Disappointment Island yourself. And you see these relationships around you deteriorating. And it could be your fault. It could be that when you get going, all you think about is the here and now. And I'm going to win this argument no matter what. It could be that you're not spending the time in the Word of God for the Word of God to correct your thought life. Could be that you're alienated, separated from God, and now you've developed a hard heart that only cares about what it wants. All of that, all of that leads not only to the beginning of a bad attitude, but to the destruction of relationships and life in your life. So would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? If you're watching online, Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy has a word for you just now. Thank you, Pastor Joel, uh, for that incredible message. And um, man, our attitudes can get wonky and they can get out of whack. And sometimes it's because um, we allow our relationship with Jesus to grow cold. And uh, the, the joy of the Lord um, that Pastor Justin talked about in his 21-day devotional on Monday is missing. And um, we, we, need to, uh, we need to do whatever it takes to get back in that place so our attitudes can be right because they affect every single area of our life. They affect our work. They affect our family. They affect how we engage at church. And so it's so important that we have our attitudes right. It starts with a relationship with Jesus. You have to have that moment in time in your life where you understood and accepted and admitted that you're a sinner and that your sin separates you from God. You've got to believe that Jesus' blood on the cross, that He died, He was buried, and on the third day He rose again. You've got to accept that that sacrifice on the cross bridges the separation between you and God. And then you have to confess Him as your personal Lord and Savior. And maybe that's where you're at this morning. And maybe you need to give your heart and life to Christ. If you do, tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I ask you through the power of your Holy Spirit to come into my heart, take away my sin, and be my Savior. Lord, today I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, welcome to the family. We want to celebrate with you, but we also want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. And so, we've just dropped a, a link in the, in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. Click on that. Give us a little bit of information. We'll connect with you this week and send you some stuff to help you on your faith journey with Jesus. It has been awesome 
to worship together this morning. I look forward to this each and every week. Hope you have a great week. God bless you. We'll see you next week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.